So, church family, are you thriving today or are you just surviving? How many are thriving? Oh, a few thriving? How many are just surviving? Be honest. Yeah, okay. Our goal is to try to get us all thriving. And listen, you know, some weeks you might be thriving, other weeks surviving, and you know, life is a bit that way. But ultimately, the pattern of our lives should be, hey, it doesn't matter what's happening in the world around us because we know Jesus, we know he's in control, we know that all these things happen in the world are just saying that his coming is coming closer and closer to take us to a place where we don't have any more pandemics, don't have any more pain and suffering, you know, don't have people uh, having to have cancer cancer treatment. You know, one of my good friends who's a member here is having open heart surgery on Tuesday, Brian Cassie. Please keep him in your prayers. You know, there's all these things that are happening, and, and we just don't understand why. But, you know, as we look at the big picture, it's good. And as I think about what, what, why is it that I've enjoyed being back at church so much? I don't know about you, but you know, as I've thought about it, and I hope this is the case for you too, because we could stay at home, we could continue to stay at home, and many people are because they're being generous. I hope that's the reason, not because they don't want to come back to church, but they're wanting to let those that really want to to come back because we're limited on numbers. But, you know, what is it about church? You know, are we all coming back to church because we are really keen just to be encouraging and to be mingling and to be serving. You know, and I just want to say thanks to those people, even through the pandemic, who have continued to serve in this church. Um, you know, our tech guys, our guest services team, especially since we've been meeting again, you know, there's a lot of extra work that's gone into making church happen. And I just want to say thanks. But there's just something about serving. And, you know, if we all came to church each week, not about... What am I going to get out of church today, you know? Hmm, what's the, what's the pastor going to teach me today? You know, and hopefully, you, you know, we do draw closer to God and learn about him from what I present today. But really, that's just a bonus. If we really come to church for the reason of blessing others, what can I do to encourage someone else? And some of those that had their hands up that might be just surviving, you know, maybe those next to you that maybe saw that can just have a chat with you afterwards and see what can I do? You know, I'm thriving. You're only surviving. Is there something I can do to help you thrive? You know, because that's what Christianity is all about. That's what the message of Jesus is all about. And um, I think there's a real powerful message in today's topic. And I just want to open up with a prayer. Lord, I just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name. Amen. This series on Thrive is so powerful, and I'm going to go right back through the, uh, right to the beginning, how, how we base this. It's all based on John 15, and remember when we introduced John 15, and how that was the important period of time between Jesus, uh, the Last Supper, and him going to the Garden of Gethsemane, some of that time just before he was arrested and he died, that he gave this very important message um, to his disciples in John 15. He says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Okay, and then we looked at in, in the New King James, which that gardener is, is vine dresser, which is far more than a gardener. We unpack that a bit, how that vine dresser is someone that doesn't have a season. They're there every season, of every day, just checking out, walking down the, the aisles of the, of the vineyard, 
just seeing if everything's all right, making sure there's not insects eaten up, that they're getting enough water every day. And that's, that vine dresser is our God, our Heavenly Father. He's there with us every day. He's caring for us. And then through the vine, which is Jesus, which we are connected to, that's what's pumping through his love, his spirit, and all those fruits that we've been going through. And that's so powerful. And here in verse 2, it says he cuts off. And remember how we looked at this, and and it's actually translated lifts up. So this is actually a positive thing, because this is where those tap roots, as we start going along in life, things are going pretty good. We have a temptation, because we're in a battle with our flesh, to actually want to do it ourselves. And so we start trying to go down and put our own roots down. And we find that when we do that, we don't produce fruit. When we do that, and so the vine dresser comes along and he lifts us up. He cuts those those tap roots off so that we can be 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 thriving and producing fruit. And that's a very powerful truth in this parable. And um, then going on in verse three, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. You know, this whole thing is about us being connected continually. To the vine, which is Jesus, staying connected, abiding, remaining, and some of the different words that the translations use on this. And let me, I want to just say something about translations, because I often get people saying, you know, what, what, what is the best translation? What's the right translation of the Bible to use when you study? And I'm going to say something very bold, okay? I'm going to tell you the best translation, okay? Quote me on this. You're allowed to quote me on this. The best translation of the Bible is the one that's read. Okay? Because, you know, I find that I, I kind of have gone, and, and, and even in my own personal study, when I'm preparing for a sermon, man, I'm looking at all the different translations. Of course, it's so easy now. I don't have to have ten books there with Bibles. You know, you can do it on your phone. You can have them all side by side or on your computer. And you can actually start to get the real meaning because language is a very complicated thing, and when, when the Bible's translated, there's never an exact word that matches that word. And so often by, by looking at different translations, as we look at today's word, which is gentleness, we're going to see how you know, that used to be more uh, called meekness, but because meekness kind of has a different meaning than it used to, because language is always changing as well. Um, so... As we continue here, it says in verse 5, Yes, I am the vine. This is Jesus talking. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Wow, isn't that good news? For apart from me, though, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. So without being connected to Jesus the vine... You know, our lives are really pretty useless. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. And when you produce much fruit, you are, more, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my Father. You know, what, what a great, amazing thing is we as a church, you know, this church has just under 400 members. If we had 400 people spreading that fruit on the Gold Coast... What an impact it could make. And it finishes that I've loved you, and even as the Father has loved me, remain in my love. And and this is kind of how we started out, because we go to to really what this fruit's all about. We go to Galatians, and Galatians 5 here is when it tells us what this fruit is. 
And um, we've unpacked a lot of this already. We've got a couple more weeks to go until we've unpacked it all. But today we're focusing on that word gentleness. But remember, we started out with love. And love's kind of like the word that's, that's, that's the layer that everything else goes through. And so love is very important. And being connected to the vine, true love will only come through us being connected to Jesus. And this um, fruit is in that chapter 5 of Galatians, and it's, it's compared to the flesh. So you've got the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. So it's Spirit versus flesh. This is the battle we face. This is, again, is that us, as we're growing, we're connected to the vine, but suddenly we feel tempted that we're somehow doing it on our own. We start to do our own tap roots, and that's when we need to be reminded, hey, no, that's the flesh telling you that, you know, and then relying more on the Spirit of God. And it's a lifetime process. You know, sometimes... I think I'm doing so well. I think I've grown so far. And as soon as I start thinking that way, I have a big fall. I have a big fall. And it's not fun falling. And I'm sure you guys can relate because I know you're human like me. You struggle with whatever your fleshly things are. And we went over that before. You can read back through Galatians 5 before the fruits of the Spirit. Some of those things of the flesh. And um, all of those some of us can relate to, or all of us can re- relate to some of those, I should say. So, as we go on and look now at gentleness, I want to define it. And this is how I invite and define gentleness, and that is it's strength under control. See, it used to be interpreted in, in like King James Bible or in the New King James, it was called meekness. But often meekness is kind of weakness, Meekness, weakness, and it kind of has an association. So the more modern translations use the word gentleness. It has, in, in today's language, a bit more of a positive meaning because gentleness is not a sign of weakness. Matter of fact, gentleness, and this word which comes from the Greek word called proates, is really talking about strength. It's talking about when you get a wild horse now, a horse is very strong. You know, horses are one of the strongest things. You know, they can carry and do amazing things. But, but a horse that's not tame can be quite dangerous. But once you take a horse and you tame it, you know, you can ride it, you can use it to work, you can do all kind of things with it, and, and it's still just as strong as it was before, you see? And so, but it's gentle. So just because you're gentle doesn't mean that there's not strength. And a matter of fact, as we go through this, we'll see that actually gentleness is a sign of strength. And as people, particularly as leaders, and everyone actually is a leader in some way. And if you want to be a good leader, so whether it's a leader in some position in church or it's a leader in your family or a leader at work, whatever role, if you're able to do that, applying this concept of gentleness, you're going to be a much more powerful, stronger, better leader. Now, I've got a very, you know, throughout this pandemic, this is a very, at one point, I think we were auctioning this off early days of when, when there was a real demand. Now, I'm turning it this way because I grew up in, in the United States of America, and there was a, a commercial I grew up with. And, and it's, it's kind of cheesy, but I just want to explain it to you because it kind of is going to prove my point. There's a toilet paper in America called Charmin. And Charmin is, is since I was, a, I think all my life, this commercial has been 
going, and it's the same sort of concept, all the commercials are the like. There's Mr. Whipple, I think is his name, and he's the manager in the shopping center. And his job is to try to stop people from squeezing the Charmin, because Charmin's such a soft, beautiful toilet paper that people can't resist squeezing it. And so Mr. Charmin's always getting after people when they're in their aisles, squeezing the Charmin, don't squeeze the Charmin. And... Um, the commercial usually always ends after he's gotten the people and chased them off. Mr. Mr. Ripple's there. He's squeezing the Charmin himself. He can't resist. It's so soft and irresistible. And as we go through this topic of gentleness, if we really are applying gentleness, it's like softness, it's like Charmin toilet paper, people won't be able to resist. They'll see that we've got something, and they'll just get caught up in it. It's really a wonderful thing. In Matthew 5, in the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives the Beatitudes. And here in the Beatitudes, in Matthew 5, 5, it says, Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. You know, some translations do say, blessed are the meek. But gentle, meekness, you know. They'll what? Inherit the earth? You know, that, does that make sense, you know? As we look at gentleness, it is a sign of real leadership. It's a sign of us having real power and using it in a good way. So having great power and choosing to use it in a compassionate way is a great thing, especially if it's to benefit others. And as Christians, that's, that's why we're here. And again, as we look to Jesus, because we're connected to Jesus, because he's the perfect example He's the vine, then he will flow through us, and then we can do what he did, and that is serve others, to help others, to love others, even love those that are a bit unlovable. You know, some of the great leaders in history have often been very strong men. Isn't it, isn't it interesting? I come from the South where... We take pride in being gentlemen. You know, you thought about that word gentlemen, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. You know, where did that come from? I was going to try to research it. I actually haven't. But, you know, I just think there's got to be a reason that that word goes back to, I'm just guessing, to somehow men who are really powerful, good men are gentlemen, even though they might be physically strong. Gentlemen. But in the, in the South, you know, I grew up, you know, we always hold the doors open for the ladies. That means you're a gentleman. You open the car door for the ladies. Um, and I used to do that early in our relationship, but my wife will probably tell you I've gotten slack. I'm not the gentleman I used to be. But, you know, some of the greatest leaders have been big men. And one of them I think of is Abraham Lincoln. And Abraham Lincoln was a very tall man. He was a big man. But from what I've read and what I've learned about Abraham Lincoln, he was a very gentle man. And it made him an amazing leader. A leader who still has an impact many years after his death. I think of a young man I worked with when I was in the youth department in Victoria. And this man's name was Nathan. Just a young man. He was a student at Lilydale Academy. And um, Nathan was a, one of our youth at Lilydale Church. And while I was there, uh, Nathan and Travis, another guy that always helped, was always there, willing to help, we started a sports night every Tuesday night, I think it was, there at, at the academy. And, you know, we'd invite 
people to bring their friends, and we'd play volleyball, basketball. And, and that's, as far as I know, that's still continuing now, and that's been almost uh, 20 years ago. But Nathan was a, he was someone that started, he caught the vision of that, and he loved it, but he was this big man. I've got um, uh, pictures of some of my kids riding on Nathan's shoulders. He's got some relatives up here. He's been, I've seen him at big camp occasionally. Unfortunately, last year, Nathan became ill, and Nathan's no longer with us. But I look forward to meeting Nathan again because Nathan was a man that was truly a gentleman. He was strong, strong, but he was one of the most gentle giants that I've ever known. Gentleness, such a a powerful thing. You know, some other words that are often associated with gentleness are humility, being humble, being gentle, without pride. Um... And again, it's not a sign of weakness. One of the greatest leaders in the Bible is a man named Moses. Most of you have probably heard of Moses. Moses, you know, we hear from the time he was born and how his life was saved as as a baby. Um, Right through, he had an amazing upbringing. But, you know, Moses was an amazing leader. But, you know, one of the things I like that encourages me about Moses is that he wasn't perfect. And I think sometimes we all put too much expectation on ourselves. Suddenly we have to be perfect. And we forget that we are human, that we are battling this battle in this world of flesh and spirit. And, of course, the more we stay connected to Jesus, the more the Spirit's going to flow through us. But because of the flesh and the world we live in, we so often can get caught up, start doing those tap roots, and we have a fall. And, and as you look at Moses, um, you know, one of his problems is the problem that I've confessed to you guys before, and that's the problem of anger. He had a problem with anger management. It's something that's plagued me all my life. But here's what the Bible says about Moses. Moses was a very meek and gentle man. In fact, he was more gentle than anyone else on the face of the earth. Now those that know much about Moses, he did some pretty horrible things. At one point he got so mad he killed a man. I mean, that's pretty bad. I've had an anger management problem, but I know I haven't killed anyone. You know, he, he got a bit upset coming down from having a special time with God. God gave him the Ten Commandments, and then he sees the people. You know, they've got, like, lost their way, and he got mad, lost his cool, and broke them. Another incident we know from the Bible that Moses got angry, and instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock. You know, these are things that show that Moses, even though he was this amazing leader, that he was gentle. And you know what I think really makes him a great leader, even though he struggled with anger and maybe other things as well, is that he was teachable. He was humble. He was willing to see when he's done wrong and be man enough and gentle enough to admit it, to listen to other people, and to try to make changes and to make apologies and make things right. 
Moses let the vine dresser lift him up and cut those tap roots off. As gentle people, we will be irresistible, just like the shaman. People will want to be around us. People will want to know, what is it we have? What is it? And that's when we can share that we have a connection. We have a connection to the vine, the source of life, the source of hope, the source of an eternal future. What great news that is. In Titus 3.2, it tells us this. And I'm going to share a few verses because as you look at this word gentle, we find it in many places in the Bible. And here in Titus 3.2, it says, They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true, true humility to everyone. You know what? Again, this, this is talking to all of us as, as people. And we all are leaders. We all are leading something. Because we all have an influence, whether we like it or not. Unless you're going to go off and, and live as a hermit all by yourself, you're going to influence someone. And here, the Bible tells us that God's called us to not be rough, angry, difficult people, but to be gentle and humble. And what this means is we're humble and gentle, even with the person that Likes the other football team. I know that um, the Eagles and the Tigers had a game that Lockie and um, Greg were both, you know, one, one ended up disappointed, and most people know that the Tigers won, so Lockie's still grieving a bit. But, you know, it also means we need to love and be kind and show gentleness to the person that, that goes for the other political party. You know, are you right wing or left wing? You know, as Christians, we're not there to, to tell someone they're wrong. You need to believe as I believe. You know, what did Jesus do? He didn't go around saying, you know, you guys need to, you know, believe it this way. No, you know, he had an amazing way, like this parable of the vine and the branches of how no matter where people stood politically, no matter where people stood religiously, that they would be actually able to examine themselves and see that what's important is knowing Jesus. Even people from another denomination. You know, we need to be loving our brothers and sisters. Even if they do worship on a different day. We need to be people who don't quarrel and don't point finger, don't judge people that don't see things exactly as we do. You know... As a church, we often talk about evangelism, discipleship, evangelism. You know, this is all about this whole thing of actually spreading the good news and it being you know, almost like the coronavirus. You know, As soon as this person gets it and it goes to these people and it goes like wildfire. That's the way it should happen. But unfortunately, so often we go about it in the wrong way. You know, we go about it in a way of us being right and you're wrong. You've got to see it my way or else, you know, my way or the highway. And, and, and again, we're just doing it the flesh way instead of doing it by the Spirit, by doing it through love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. This is how we share. I love... 
Sometimes the way the message is a paraphrase puts some of these things. And here in this same verse of the fruits of the Spirit, the message puts it this way. Not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely, legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Now, I know none of us are legalists, but, you know, there's a danger of it. There's a danger of it. As as we're growing and we're producing fruit, to suddenly think that, hey, I can somehow do it myself. I can obey it all by myself. And that's when we got to rely on the vine dresser to come and lift us up and bring us back to reality. We cannot do it without Christ. Because Christ says, hey, he even wants us to love and win our enemies. And you know what the best way to win your enemies? They need to become your friends. So you need to show love and friendship to the person that gossips about you, that judges you, that um, whatever it might be that's wrong and hurts you. You need to show them love and gentleness. Because you see, as, as we build a link, and our whole theme last year, remember, heart to heart, as we build a link between our heart and another person's heart, it's that link then that Jesus can cross over on between those hearts. You know, that is a powerful way of, of, of this discipleship, evangelism. This is the way that we could see things really happening with our mission to draw our community into a loving relationship with Jesus. Because people aren't going to trust Jesus until they actually trust us, if we're trying to tell them. When they see these fruits in us, then they're going to want to know, what is it we have? And that's when they can see that we have Jesus. We're connected to the vine. And it's not because of us, it's because of him. We can't expect people to believe the Bible is credible unless we're credible. So I ask today, are you gentle? Are you loving? Are you kind? If we're people like that, then people will listen to what we say. As I reflect back on my life and as you think back on your life, what are some of your biggest failures? And if you're like me, most of those is when I've not been gentle. It's when I've let my anger come out, let my selfishness come out. Those have led to my greatest failures. God doesn't want that. He wants something more for us. We need to listen, especially when we have good advice. Listen to God's word. You know, this, this is such a powerful source for us. This is really how we stay connected to the vine. You know, feeding on God's word daily. This is how we're going to be spiritually strong. That's how we're going to be strong and connected to Jesus in a powerful way. Reading his word, praying, talking to him, letting him have that connection with us. That's the source of the Spirit. There's a story that I want to mention briefly. And this is a story of a David's son, Solomon. And, uh, you know, after David, Solomon became this amazing king. He built the temple. He built a great palace, did great things, you know, known as one of the wisest men that ever lived. But he certainly had his faults as well. But one of his sons, Rehoboam, 
In 1 Kings 12, it records that Rehoboam, after Solomon had died, was going to take over. And he was a young guy, didn't have a lot of experience, and so he went and talked to some of the older people, some of the elders. And they gave him some advice. And he says, you know, because he says, you know, how can I manage the people? How can I manage the people of Israel? And they said, you know, treat them gently. Treat them gently. Treat them with respect, and they'll be loyal to you forever. But as we read that story, we find that he then went to his friends, some of the guys he grew up with, some of them are now his advisors. And these young guys says, oh, no, 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 what you got to do, Heroboam, is you, you, you got you to show your power. You got to show them, bear down on them, show them that you're the king. And he took that advice instead of the older, wiser people. And um, there was a great uproar. He was, the people protested and it was really the united Israel basically broke apart. You know, as I think of leadership in our world today, I won't mention any names, but I wonder if some of our leadership is not showing gentleness and it might be the undoing of some of the great countries we have in the world today. First Peter 3.15 but in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this, how? With gentleness and respect. You know, what a challenging, challenging thing. You know, as Christians, too often we're just Bible bashers, as we say sometimes. You know, we're just trying to... Hit them over the head with the truth instead of loving them and being gentle with them and trying to understand their perspective and their background, why they're at, where they're at. And then just allow them to see how the Spirit's working in you. Then they'll be able to want something. Again, we've got to show the example that God's changing us. That His power through Jesus Christ, through the vine, is making us new people. You know, don't just try to tell them, you know, you better turn or burn. You're going to die or you'll fry. You know, that's not the approach, is it? That's not going to help. In 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Mm, gentle. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Who is it that changes the hearts? It's not us. Not us personally. Hopefully our who we're reflecting. Remember a couple of weeks ago I had the mirror? You know, we were reflecting Jesus because Jesus and the Spirit's living in us. That's the bright light of Jesus we want people to see as they look at us. In Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know, isn't that powerful? You know, isn't it nice to think of being with people who are gentle and humble 
I know with my family, especially my wife, you know, the one thing she needs most is to feel safe and to feel that I'm a gentle husband. And my kids need to know that I'm a gentle father. And I don't always do that so well, but, you know, God's helped me to be a better father and a better husband and a better pastor. And hopefully we all can because we are letting Jesus work in us. You know, how powerful that is. Lord, help me to treat people as Jesus would. You know, it doesn't come natural for me to be a gentle person. It's not natural. But God can change that. He can make it natural because His Spirit is coming through me because I'm connected to the vine. Let's be understanding, not demanding. You know, my wife's amazing, and I've learned a lot over 25 years of married to Karen. No, I haven't been married that long. I've known her for 25, 26. It's 24 years this year. But, you know, she, she has got amazing niceness about her. You know, it doesn't take much, you know. Someone cuts me off driving or someone at a shop or something, you know, I think it's not doing right. You know, I, I, I so quickly can just turn into someone I don't want to be. And, you know, Karen gets such better results because she just remains kind and gentle when the person's having a bad day or whatever or not doing the right thing. And she gets much better results than me when I start getting cranky and having a go at people, you know. And I think we could all learn that we'll actually be more powerful, we'll be more in control if we remain gentle. In Romans 14.1, welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they don't say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems that they are strong on opinion, but weak in faith, in the faith department, remember they have their own history to deal with. Treat them what? Gently. You know, what great advice. What great advice. Scripture is so full of this great advice of how we can be more like Jesus and the way we treat people. Um, never to get caught up with being judgmental. In Galatians 6.1, if someone's caught in sin, you, are a spirit, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. You know, it's not for us to go condemning people and judging them. But watch yourself, because as soon as we start pointing the fingers at other people, you know, we're likely to fall ourselves. And as I wrap it up here in Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be gentle with one another, sensitive, forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God and Christ forgave you. You know, it's all about us showing forgiveness to others, because how much have we been forgiven, you know? When we realize how much God's forgiven us and how he's paid the price of giving Jesus, you know, that is so powerful. How little is it for us to ask just to give, forgive our uh, neighbors and our friends and people maybe that do the wrong thing to us. And I want to just leave you with a challenge. A challenge. What, the, what can you do this week? that can help you show gentleness. I want everyone to really think about it because we really like to have the sermon be something that we take away and we do something with. And I like for you to practically think, you know, who can I show gentleness? Maybe it's someone that lives in your house. Maybe it's one of your neighbors. Maybe it's someone you work with. Maybe it's someone at school. But, you know, pray that God might help you 
to show real gentleness and kindness to the people that you come in contact with this upcoming meet. That we can be like Jesus and our lives will reflect him. Jesus um, said this, you know, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. He's the vine. This is the message. This is the good news. And this is what the fruit of the Spirit is all about. And the word that today I want you to take and challenge you to do something with is gentleness. And I want to pray for you as we finish this and we're challenged to do this as we apply it to our lives. Dear Lord, we just want to thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he's the vine. We thank you for the vine dresser who's, who's there to help us, to lift us up when we're trying to do it our own way. And Lord... Help us to be a gentle people. Lord, as we look at Jesus and how he did it so perfectly, he was gentle even to the ones that nailed him and hung him on the cross. He continued to ask for forgiveness for them. Lord, please help us, especially with those people that it's hard for us to be gentle with. May we be more gentle in our roles those of us who are fathers or mothers, husbands and wives, children. Help the children here, Lord, to be more gentle in their roles as children, to be more gentle in the way they respond to their parents, to their teachers. Lord, help us to be gentle in our workplaces as we work with our colleagues and our neighbors and people that come in contact with us. Lord, we just pray that because we're connected to the vine, that all these fruits of the Spirit that we've been going through in this series will just show that our life is thriving. It's not just surviving. We are thriving because of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.